back to Other People's Lives. I'm your host, Joe Santagato. I'm your host, Greg Dybeck. Just a reminder to everyone, we do have a Patreon set up. So if you'd like to support the show, it only costs a dollar. You can head over to patreon.com slash OPL show. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash OPL show. Did you just say a dollar? It costs a dollar, yes. A dollar for bonus episodes? Bonus episodes and some other cool stuff too, Greg. Deal of the century. Deal of the century, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, Greg, what do we have today? Today we're uh, we're gonna take a little trip to the funeral home. <laughs> All <laughs> a right. Flash trip. Flash trip. We're gonna find out what happens to us when we die. Right. Well, we're not gonna find your out body. What your, yeah, your body. Your body. Our remains your vessel. on Earth. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the vessel. The temple that we leave behind. Right. Mm-hmm. So we are speaking to a young woman who is a funeral director and an embalmer. Jeez. So she's like getting her hands dirty. Here. Yeah. Uh, which is honestly something I never think of. I mean, I think most people choose not to think about like, hey, what happens to our bodies when we die? And what, like, what, I just like think about like the mental side of it. Like imagine being around dead bodies all day. Well, that too. That it, like that dead is a bodies job. make people scream. Yeah, like I don't have the stomach out. for that. Yeah, I don't want to see a dead body. Dead bodies are crazy. I don't like them. And the whole idea of an open casket is psychotic to me. I mean, psychotic. I'm just used to that from. I know, growing but up it's psychotic. Just think about it. It's psychotic. What are we doing? Yeah, it's nuts. We're 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 putting makeup on a dead person. What is the origin behind that? I Close wonder. Close the goddamn casket. It's probably something crazy. I some don't know. some crazy like superstition of why it has to be open. Dude, but close that shit. Every time I do go to awake though, it's like I do think how crazy it is. Like, all right, I'm about to turn this corner and now we're just all gonna be standing around At a making dead body. small talk with a dead body like two feet away. Yeah. Like how oh, how's work going? And meanwhile, how's- if this was four feet out the door on the sidewalk, we'd all be screaming <laughs> and crying and telling people about like this crazy thing we saw. Or putting it on our Instagram stories. That too. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. I I would not have the stomach for this job. I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't, but Look, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do I it. I think that that's that's the crazy thing about you know some of the jobs out there. Um, I guess mortician is also the the other correct term for this. Um, yeah, she's 23 years old, doing this for a living, which is nuts. I mean, that's a profession. I have a lot of questions about. How do you even get into that? What's the desire to get into? Yeah, that? like the funeral home. And then what's what's the nitty gritty like? Oh. God. I mean, are you? I mean, I guess I'll ask. I was about to like start asking you, like, do you pull the organs out? Like, what yeah, do you do? I, yeah, I mean, do you have anything else you want to say? Because I'm ready to ask questions here. Because I don't really have a whole lot of like, how, what can we say? Like, we have no idea. I think I'm just nervous and buying time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to know. I don't want to think about my You're mortality. Just stalling. Uh, just stalling. I don't want to think about my mortality. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's call her. Yeah, let's call her. Hey, how's it going? You got Greg and Joe here. What's up? Hi, how are you guys? We're good. Uh, we just talked a little bit, you know, about your email and, you know, kind of gave a little background, but I kind of wanted to start at the very beginning here. And, uh, you know, obviously you are working in a funeral home. I just want to know how that happened because, I mean, at least for me personally, it's not something that, you know, 
is like glamorous or like when I grow up, I want to do this. So how did you kind of get, you know, uh, into this or, you know, were you kind of like forced into it? Like it was just a job or was it like an interest or something? No, it's actually kind of funny. So I was in high school and I had to do a careers test for careers class. And I, um, so I did the aptitude thing and it was like my number one thing. So I had to do my project on it. And I was like, Oh, this sounds kind of, kind of neat. So I went and I did a co-op. Like it was, I was, really interested so I was like okay I'm gonna just look look into this a little further and it got me out of school for two periods so I was like this will be fun and it was like it was probably the funnest time of my life when I was a co-op student at the funeral home that I was working at what do you do in that like a co-op at a funeral home like what do you what are you seeing everything also, that yeah, so like funeral homes and fun like those are like completely well awesome. you can't spell funeral without fun oh here we go it's true and these guys that I was working with put the fun in funeral like you wouldn't believe they were hilarious. So we would just kind of like first it started like we were just hanging out. And then I got to do a little bit more like they gave me more responsibilities as the weeks kind of passed. And so I started with like just cleaning and then I would like show people around. And it wasn't until probably like two months in that I started doing like the more hands on licensed stuff like where I was like working with like I would go on transfers so I would go to the hospitals with them or to the nursing homes and I would look after transferring the dead body back to the funeral home and then it kind of just got more involved from there and I don't know like I just really admired how like they could go from like one they could work like crazy they would work crazy hours didn't matter how sick you were how you just wanted to go home like you're you just dedicated yourself to the job. And I, I admired that. And then I really liked that they could do everything. And it was like, and even in the back of your mind, you're, you're thinking one thing or you're doing something else and you could still get everything else done. So it was just kind of interesting that that's how it was. And I just liked doing what I was doing. So then I ended up going to college and I got my license and here I am. Wow. Like, I, I've yeah. never, I've never met anyone who has been, well, I guess what are, so are you, is it a mortician? Is that like, what, what are, what's the name? I think that's more of like the American term. They use mortician. Um, Undertaker's like an old term for it. We prefer funeral directors here and it's kind of a little more current, more modern sounding. Undertaker sounds so cool. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How, uh, so what is like the job description of, I guess a funeral director. Um, so we wear like so many different hats. Sometimes we're just answering the phone and kind of showing people around. Sometimes we're sitting with them and we're, we're kind of going through what a funeral could look like when someone dies, we kind of respond. However, the family asks us to, and then there's the embalming part of things where we get the body ready for the visitation or the service. Um, and then we just take out the service. So we go to the church or the cemetery and whatever needs to happen. And we just facilitate all of that behind the scenes. And, uh, and then we just are there for whatever needs to be done. Wow. So I would imagine that's probably a thankless job, maybe not with the families involved, but I think it's one of those professions you kind of, you just, you just think like, well, someone's doing it, like someone's doing it, but it's, you know, it's not going to be me. It's usually not the people that you know. Um, how do you know, I guess you have the stomach for a job like this? Like, like what, when you kind of realize that's your calling, what 
aspect of the job is calling you? Is it the idea of, of helping people or, you know, what, what really attracted you to it? And it started that way. I really did like the feeling of, cause when I was, so when I was a co-op student, they would bring me out on funerals sometimes. And I really liked the way that families, cause you know, funerals are expensive. They're hard. Like, you know, you're there to say goodbye to your loved one for like the last time you're ever going to see them. And people like come up to you at the end of it and they give you a hug. They say, thank you for everything. And in that instance, I was like, oh my goodness, that's so special to be able to like connect and touch someone like that is, is so special. So I liked that part of it, but I also like that every day is super different. Like you could do the same thing a hundred times, but it's different every time you do it. So it's not really like you're doing the same thing. And so every day is not like, it's not boring. Um, so I'm kind of interested in the embalming process. Actually, you know what? Let's just start from the beginning. So, like, so, so can you kind of take us through the, the exact process about, you know, someone dies, let's say just in a hospital of old age, like what are the next steps uh, to get them to the point of, all right, the funerals today? Okay. So when someone dies, the family makes a call. So they phone a funeral home and they kind of give some information, like where the deceased is resting right now. Um, and then they make an appointment to come in to make the arrangements. So in that time, they can start to think of all the things that they need to consider. So if they want like a newspaper notice, there's a lot of government papers that need to be completed. Um, and then they would come in for the appointment and we'd go through all the arrangements. And I mean, this is really simplified, but essentially that's what would happen. And we kind of let them know all the information that we're going to be asking for um, ahead of time. So when they come in, they're prepared and we can get through things kind of smoothly for them. And they would just kind of sit down. They kind of tell us what they're looking for, if they want a specific date, if we're going to a specific church, if they have cemetery property, um, if they're going to have a reception afterwards, just kind of different things. If they want stationery made, if they want to have a DVD tribute made, if uh, they're going to purchase flowers or if they have a florist, just like all the little details that'll kind of facilitate the coming together of everything. Mm-hmm. And then... We'll find some paperwork and go ahead with with ha- having things happen. So usually, by the end of the arrangement, we have permission to go to the hospital. So we would contact the hospital, make sure that their procedures are all done, and we can make our way over. And then we would bring the deceased back to the funeral home. And if we have permission to embalm, we would proceed with that. And then we would go ahead with um, the, the visitation if that's what's happening, or we would just have the service and. Then we'd go to the cemetery or the disposition and, and it would just happen. And then that's kind of it. So with the embalming process, for people who don't know, uh, what exactly is happening during that process? So the technical answer is it's the complete restoration, preservation, and disinfection of human remains. But that's a pretty wordy and a little scientific sounding. So we don't really say that. We kind of just let families know that it's a process that allows us to have more time with the deceased and a little more control over the natural changes that might occur. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so what we do is we use a chemical preservative to give us more time with the body and like, do you want like a step-by-step? I guess I can just give you a step-by-step. I mean, you could just kind of give us like, you know, the summarized version (laughs) because I mean, another like, I don't know if this is the chemical or whatever, but like I've touched like a dead body, like a wake before. And I'm like, well, this kind of feels weird. Like, why does that feel weird? Okay. So 
formaldehyde is a key ingredient in embalming fluid. And the formaldehyde reacts with protein in your body and it makes it firm. Mm. So it's, that's why it's not super soft and squishy when, yeah. when, you, touch, when you touch them. And uh, yeah, so what it involves is removing the bodily fluids that are already there and replacing them with this preservative. Ooh, I don't know why I just made that sound, but all, so all the <laughs> fluids are like removed the, and basically substituted with. So it's like running fluid. through yeah. veins and stuff. Yeah. So we would make a small incision oh. accessing a major vessel. So, um, most embalmers would probably opt to use the carotid artery near the clavicle and the jugular vein. So you use the carotid artery to put your fluid in and then all of the blood would be removed through the vein. Mm. Whoa. And this is so like, I'm assuming that the body doesn't like rot or, you know, start to, I don't even know, but that's kind of what you mean by like, you know, it halts that process a little bit. Yeah. So it it doesn't um, stop it or make sure that it never happens, but it does give us more time before it starts. And if it's already started, we can kind of combat that a little bit and prevent it from progressing faster and sooner. Wow. I think it's just crazy because what makes it so interesting is like we think about death all the time. Like we, we think about mortality, but it's usually that kind of existential question, you know, what happens after, where do we go? But like, I have no idea what happens to the actual body. Like we're still like our bodies are still here. So it's, it's crazy, you know, the process, uh, and, just you kind of listing everything earlier, like, are there invitations, flowers, this, like, it's insane that, you know, you can lose a loved one and it's just immediately, it's like planning a wedding, it sounds like. Yeah. It's funny, people compare it to that a lot and it, I mean, it kind of is, it's actually, in my opinion, it's a little more special than a wedding because you literally only have one chance to do this and it has to be done right. And you only have a matter of days to get it done in many cases. Like a wedding, people spend years planning. Wow, a funeral, that's a good point. People don't all, yeah, funerals people don't even give a thought to until they have to. Huh. And it's like, oh, I, I didn't think of any of this. I don't know what my person would have wanted. And uh, and then you're kind of in a tough spot because you're like, oh, well, we want to have the funeral you know, by the end of the week. And I guess I got to make all these decisions now. And I mean, we try to make it easy for them. We try to give them you know, the immediate information that they need to make the decisions they need to make and then the rest that they can take home and think about for a couple of days or whatever the situation is. But uh, it's, yeah, it's hard on them. You know, we have to remind them to drink lots of water and get lots of rest because in that time and usually leading up to a death, they may have been spending a lot of their time taking care of that person and not really taking care of themselves. Mm, that's interesting. So what what role do you play for the family is it just i mean like like you kind of said it's, it's literally everything i mean you're planning every single detail of this and how do you kind of go through the decision process with someone who is literally like grieving in that moment like i would just imagine it's so hard to start you know making it such specific be. decisions like that um you kind of just play off of what they're what they're giving you so some people, you know, if the person was 95 and they have great grandchildren and, you know, they kind of knew that the day was going to come eventually, they didn't know when it was going to be, but they knew it was going to happen. They kind of sit down and they tell you that they're like, you know, 
he was 95. He had a really good life. And we kind of joked about what it would look like. And now we get to make those decisions. So that those ones are, in my opinion, they're like the easiest ones. They're my favorite ones to do. Because all you have to do is go through whatever they want to do to honor his life and or their life. And, and that's kind of it. It's more so when you have to ask like the, the, hard, the harder questions to know where to begin, period. Like, uh, okay, so in the event of like a stillbirth, that can change if so if the baby took a breath that can change things drastically like that's a whole new set of paperwork for the government that we have to do in order to have the funeral so like imagine starting an arrangement when i first started and i was asked like oh you're gonna go see this family they just lost their baby make sure you get the right paperwork and it's like okay so i'm sitting there and i'm like okay i have to figure out a way to ask them if their baby lived or not and it not come across like i'm just trying to and it was hard yeah, you kinda it's, just, it's crazy. Like man. you, you kind of just find your way through it to know how it is that you're going to approach it because you don't want to upset them more than they already are. And as gracious as they are, like they know that it's not your fault and whatever, but you're still the one that they're going to be mad at or not going to want to talk to because who wants to do that? Nobody. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, you guys and doctors that have to deliver like hard questions or news to people and try to not come across as like heartless. Like you have to just yeah. say right. Just maintain that yeah. professionalism yeah. and you're literally dealing it, with the loss of life. It's, it can be really challenging at times. And, and I don't really like doing that because I don't know. It's, that's probably the harder side of things. A lot of people are like, Oh, what, what do you do for like self care and how do you not let that get you down and whatever. And it's just like, you, you can't let it, because it could break you like if you literally felt everything like it was your family i don't think you could do this job yeah like, i'm a be- mess like i I'll, I'll walk into a random funeral in like a random state i've never been to and i'll cry <laughs> like yeah i'm that kind of person like it just it it yeah and it took me a little bit to learn that because sometimes like as fun as it was when i was just starting out it was more fun because i got to do things with my coworkers. like i wasn't I didn't have to be that frontline person that was carrying that weight, mm-hmm. but now it, it's, it's pretty different. I mean, I still really enjoy it, but it's, uh, there's a lot of different aspects to it that I didn't know then. And now that I know it, I'm like, I wonder, but I think I probably still would have stuck it out if I knew that it was going to get hard at times more hard than it was. Yeah, no, no, totally. What, um, well, it's, it at least seems like, <clears throat> sorry, I'm choking. <laughs> I swear I'm not crying about it. <laughs> um, it seems like our bodies are in good hands, I guess, if you go to the right place. Yeah. Um, how long is, like, how long are you with a body, basically, doing everything that you need to do from the from basically the, the moment someone dies to the funeral itself? Um, it just depends. Like, I've had, I've had families that are like, oh, we're going to wait for people to get here from across the world so can you can you keep the body for like a month and it's like yeah we can and well, then you we can do that yeah we can do that what do you freeze it no oh, this is news to me i thought funerals had to be like four days <laughs> after yeah no 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 so it's yeah you can there's um like there are embalming techniques that you can employ to ensure that the deceased lasts for even longer than a month I mean, you got to think of, you know, in the events of like natural disasters, like Hurricane Katrina, when those remains were being recovered, 
and they were being embalmed and sent to different locations to be identified by their families and stuff. Like the bodies have to last and they have to be in good condition. So true. Wow. I never even thought of that a month. I know I'd be like, well, how quickly does the, does a body need to be embalmed though? Uh, the sooner is always the better, but it's, I mean, it depends. We, um, we recently had a case where a deceased had been, um, had died like 14 days before we got the body. Was it like messed up? Now they were, now they were in the morgue, so in a fridge. But I mean, yeah, it was less than desirable. But they're gonna still be able to see her. Right. And do yeah. you are you the one also kind of like preparing these bodies? I mean, that's a lot of pressure to dress up a body, like makeup, like making a body presentable for an open casket is like that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure, but it's not just on like one person. It's kind of on everybody. And there was, there's a saying, it's like, well, you can think they look great, but if they don't look like them, it doesn't really matter. Right. right. Yeah. And do so, you use like photos or how do you, how do you get the person to kind of look like the closest so thing to their living self? Usually in, in most cases, they already look like themselves. Like they just require maybe a little bit of powder or something on the face just to add a little bit more color if necessary or even things out. Um, but, you know, the idea is that we don't want them to be wearing a lot of makeup unless, you know, it's a lady who always wore a lot of makeup. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we just ask for a photo so that we can see, like, I, I always just say to families, can you provide us with a photo so that we can see their likeness? And it's just for cosmetic reference so that we know, you know, how did they part their hair or did they do something specific to their to their face? Like, whatever. Mm. And it just kind of gives us a better idea so that we know what the goal is. And then hopefully everything works out. Does the family get to like sign off on the body before the wake? Yeah. So oh, usually okay. um, whenever there's going to be an open casket, we invite the family to come in early. And that way, if there's anything that they don't like, we have an opportunity to fix it so that, you know, they don't have to close the casket for their guests or, or just have to explain that we did a crappy job. They, um, yeah, so we get that opportunity to look after things and make, them, make it better. And then hopefully it works and they're happy. I mean, in most cases they are. And sometimes it's not even a matter of that there's actually something wrong. They're just upset. So they kind of come over and they look and they're like, um, can you fix? And they're like grasping at straws to fix something. But so, you know, we say, yeah, yeah, we'll do our best. And, and we kind of ruffle the, the fabrics or we adjust and you know we fluff the hair whatever it is and and then they come back in and they're like okay that was perfect and and it's just like okay good as long as you're content and that's jesus yeah. i didn't even realize how involved this would be it's just like you know what it is it's just something that you don't really even think about until you're talking to someone who's in this industry but yeah. um so why would you want to think about it? I guess. Thinking about it just reminds you like, <laughs> I mean, you think that's about... going to be my body one day, yeah, I mean, which you... is crazy. I mean, I, th- I feel like you do think about like everything eventually, but it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of wild. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Do people assume that you're a morbid person? Sometimes. And it's hard because with like, you know, I want to do right by, by my profession. I don't want to ever speak in a way that could, could dishonor it. But uh, so I, I speak very filtered. So when people make jokes and stuff, I don't always acknowledge it just because I, I don't necessarily want to be associated with it that way. 
And so people kind of are surprised that I'm not more, I don't know, creepy or weird. And they're like, oh, you're so normal. And I'm like, well, what did you expect? That I just like sleep in a coffin and, you know, <laughs> what yeah. stuff? Yeah. I'm just a normal person like everybody else. <laughs> Does it almost like, but but you obviously have to be comfortable, obviously, one around bodies. And are you almost just like comfortable, like comfortable with that process? Like, I just feel like knowing like doctors and certain people, like, they're just like able to like go into surgery and like be comfortable or just like in in an you know hospital like environment there's just that certain comfort level um i don't know what my question is because now i feel <laughs> like my question's leading to like are you going to be like comfortable with your funeral which isn't what i'm asking but do you know well, what i mean I, like i feel like maybe you were trying to ask like how comfortable i am like with that like and that there's a mindset that comes with it is that kind of where you were going? Yes. I feel like there has that. to be some sort of adjustment, like, period. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, I remember the first time I saw a dead body, and it was shocking. Like, it, it's not like on TV where you can just kind of run your hand over their face and close their eyes, and and it's, you know, it's not like that at all. They have this white hue, and, you know, not everybody, but this particular case, it was like that. And I remember being kind of uncomfortable with it. I was like, this is this is weird. And then I was like, but you know what? It's okay. And then it was fine. Like you, you kind of just get into the mindset where things have to happen. This is what it is. And I have a job to do. And then you just carry on. No, totally. Are there any like little things that no one would really know that only you guys know about the process (laughs) that like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what? Actually, like, it's that's not their full body in the casket. We cut them in half. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say. I'm not, you know, I'm going. We put clown shoes on all of them. Right. Like, is there something that you know that uh, is part of the process that people don't necessarily see or understand? Um, I I don't know about. No, I mean this. Uh, I don't know. I guess that I people don't really think that it's as involved as it is. Like, I guess in, they don't really show it in TV and movies and stuff like with, like, it's not really something that people know about. So everything always seems really mysterious. Like nobody has any clue about how it all works. They just skip over that whole part. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, whatever, it's, it's a less desirable part of, of life and death. And I'm sure nobody really cares, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it just depends. Um, like what, like a like a weird thing that people w- would not guess in a million years, that sort of thing. I guess so. Just something that's like you know, like oh wow, I didn't know that. Like that's interesting. <laughs> I don't want to put trying, you on it's a, such a general question. Yeah, I know too, it's I'm such a general question. Think. I don't want to put you on the spot. Like you know, but maybe this will help frame it a little because okay. a, a question that I did have is like, for example, like when you die are there things that your body goes through or things that happens to your body that you wouldn't expect? Because like you just said, it's not as simple as running your fingers over someone's eyes and closing it. And right. I know like, I mean, I'm not well versed in it, but even like rigor mortis when you die or like different things that the body like kind of phases <laughs> that it goes through after death, not to get yeah, too morbid, so, but yeah. So, um, usually right before death, the body goes into what's called the agonal period, which is when it gets really hot. And then when death occurs, it goes through rigor mortis, like you said. So that's when all of the muscles constrict. 
And it can take, sometimes it can naturally come out of that state. Sometimes we bring it out of that state. So that just means you kind of, you manipulate the limbs so that you're bending them at the joint and then that frees up the muscle. So it kind of, it kind of comes out of it. And if the person died in a really awkward position, like they were in the fetal position in their bed, for example, and all their muscles have constricted so that they're stuck like that, we can kind of fix that depending on how long they were like that. And, um, and that can be a nice surprise for families. Like when they come in and they're like, Oh, they're, you know, they, they're not like that anymore. And and that can be kind of good for them because they look more peaceful when they're, when they're just laying there, like they'd be laying down in a bed. Hmm. So how long does that last? I guess rigor mortis and like it it can truly like contort a body in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So depending on how the person was when they died, that plays a huge, um, that has a huge effect on how it, how it can affect um, the rigor mortis. So it can last for a long time. Like sometimes if, if the person's really big or really strong and has a lot of muscle mass, we might never be able to relieve the rigor mortis. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you just have to work around that. Yeah. And it can be kind of a pain because the, so when the muscles are constricted, it's also constricting the blood vessels, which means that our embalming fluid doesn't get all to through all the extremities like it's supposed to because the vessels are cut off. Mm. And so we then have to kind of find an alternate route and maybe make, you know, an effort to go a different way. And that can be challenging too. See, that was definitely something I had no idea of, like, any of this, to be honest with you. <laughs> and that's crazy because it, it, like, puts in perspective your job, too. Like, like you said, like, you just see kind of, like, what the funeral looks like. Like, the outcome of, like, okay, there's some flowers set up, there's water in the corner, there's all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, someone but, just put some lipstick on yeah, grandma. But you are, yeah. like, problem solving. Like, yeah. okay, this is a much more muscular person. We can't relieve rigor mortis. Like, how do we work around this? How do we still make this person look like? you know, as normal as possible. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of little things. And it's funny because not until like you're asking me these questions, am I really thinking about it? I'm like, Oh yeah, there's, I guess a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And we're just like, we're just winging this because we yes. like, not that we ever structure anything too much. It's, it's always casual, but this is just for us. Like we don't know anything. So we're just like firing off. Not only, everything not only that, that but it's like, you don't know anyone really who does it. So it's like, I can't be like, yeah, my buddy one time in passing said this thing. It's just like, I just have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> it's, yeah. How important. It's, it's, oh no, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, I was just wanted to say, I think that this is a very under underappreciated, uh, like industry because I mean, a lot of people, you know, they spend a lot of money on funerals. So it's like, you know, people care about this and they care about preserving their bodies and like whatever. And then we don't really think about the people who are actually going out of their way to do this. And for the most part, I would say most people would find it to be like a not a desirable position to be working with dead bodies. So it's like that should even more make you like appreciate these people who are like, I'm putting that aside and I'm doing this for you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just... That wasn't a question. I just wanted to say that because it's just like all this information. I'm like, this is, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of work. And it almost like, see, like every funeral almost, I'm not going to say they, they're all the same, but they, it kind of has that feeling of like, okay, like I've been here before. Like I've gone through these motions. I've, I've seen this set up, but when you think about it, like, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And that's, that, that's how you would want it. You know, like those, yeah. it's, it's, 
peaceful. It's nice. It's like, yeah. Because for a second, full disclosure, this is, these are the sick thoughts that go on in my head. It's I can't like, imagine what you're about to say. <laughs> well, like, it's like weddings almost. Like, eh, can you just be like, it's it's one night, I'm not going to spend that much, and then just like, I don't know, like skip the embalming or like save some money or like not have a nice setup. But obviously, <laughs> I would never want that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like yeah. You, you just, there's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. You're so no, flustered. Yeah, I, we got people that come in all the time. Sometimes, you know, if they hated the person that died, but they're responsible for the arrangements, they're like, I just want to get rid of them as soon as we can. So what's, what's the oh, quickest, wow. cheapest way to do that? And then you kind of just walk them through it. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're agents that are hired to work for them to perform a service, right? If you want to yeah. make it as basic as you can, that's up to you and we can help you with that. What is the most basic way? Um, well, it just depends. So we don't have to do an embalming. That's a personal decision. Um, you can pick a basic casket and then we can go either to a cemetery for burial or a crematorium for cremation. And then that'd be kind of it. And we would just get the paperwork that we need and... And that's it. Hmm. All right. Have there any? Have there ever been any like strange requests that you've had where a family's like, "We really want you to, you know, dress this person a certain way or something with makeup or how the body's presented." Yeah. Um. I kind of abandoned my ideas of what a strange request was early on, but they. Uh, I've had just some odd ones. It's mostly stuff that we can't do, like. I've had someone ask, I, can you just bring a van and pick up this body and bring them to the crematorium? I don't want anything in between. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like there's, there's things that have to happen. Jeez, in between. That's I someone can't. trying to cut costs. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Rent a U-Haul, get over but here. I'm like, yeah, it was just, it, that was kind of a weird situation because people don't understand that there are laws too. Like we are governed by a section of the government that has legislation in place that we have to follow and we can't, like, as much as I would love to just, sure, I'll get in my van and I'll do what you want. But it's like, no, I, I have to follow the rules here. And I get that it's a little more expensive, but it's the way it has to be. It's not, you know, if I could, I would, but I can't. So, so we have to do it this way. And then they kind of get mad and it's just like, okay. And then they call around and realize that it's not just our location. It's every funeral home in the area because that's the law. And then they call back and they're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll do it your way. Hmm. And then... Um, I mean, I get some families that have just had, it's most, like, nothing's weird about how they want the person to look. How they want the person to look is how they want them to look, and that's probably because of how they looked in real life when they were alive. But uh, um, I've had a family ask for the blood back. Whoa. What? Yeah, like, this, so this woman's son died, and she's like, when you do the embalming, can you jar the blood and give it to me uh, and i'm sure it had something to do with some ancient tr tradition from some ancient culture that she may have been a part of yeah. but we were like no <laughs> we i was gonna ask that. i'm like is that something you guys can do <laughs> yeah that, that, i didn't experience that for him my coworker experienced that and then they told me about it but that's probably like the weirdest thing because i can't think of what you would need that for what you would want to do with that yeah i don't know i actually just saw uh you know an article not too long ago that some people keep you know tattoos from their loved ones like they'll cut the skin off of like where the tattoo <laughs> was 
and they'll oh. keep those. Like, is there is there any requests like that? Like, do people want to keep? I don't know. I um, guess certain parts of. I've had I've had that request before. I've had I've had like people want their like their loved ones' dentures back, like things like that. But in um, where I live and where I work, we don't do the like if we were to remove the tattoo, that would be considered like inappropriate inappropriate like it would just not it's it's not legal i know that that's um but that's okay i think in the u.s and there's other countries that do it it's just um in canada it's not something that they consider to be appropriate hmm. yeah and i i would imagine people just have kind of like their own traditions like i know with um with one of my grandmothers we buried her with like a wooden spoon in the casket because did you like <laughs> like my mom and her siblings like if if they were ever ever like got in trouble she would always like grab the wooden spoon like threatening that like you're gonna get beaten with this because yeah. obviously uh, it was a different time <laughs> back then um <laughs> but yeah i'm sure people always have you know little little things like that yeah I wouldn't even, like, that's just something that's unique to the family. I wouldn't even consider it, like, an odd request or anything. It's more like, you know, you want to make it personal for the family so that you don't, you know, you're not just doing, like I said, you're not just doing the same thing over and over again because each family is different, each of their situations is different, each deceased has a different story. So anything that we can do to help make it more special for that family, more tailored to them, it's, like, all the better. Hmm. And then... What is the, I guess, logistically, like, maybe it's different in Canada, but, like, what's, what's like, the average price of a funeral? Because I've, I've never heard numbers, but I just always hear it's expensive or can be expensive. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much choice involved. Like, it depends on what it is that you're looking for that would yield the price. But, I mean, caskets range anywhere from, like, you can get a casket for $100, depending on what your definition of a casket is there's a container you can put your loved one in for $100. There's also a very high-end casket that's over $20,000. So it's wow. kind of a huge range that just relies on whatever personal choices that family's going to make. Hmm. I can't imagine $20,000 what the hell that thing looks like. You know what? For for twenty thousand dollars, you'd think it look it would look better. <laughs> I feel like it better better launch me into space or something like, and just let me float know, around like, for that, like in a, with know, a window. I, there are certain things. I mean, some families, the families that buy those sort of things are the type of family that, not to say that they're flashy, they just want to buy the most expensive because in their mind it correlates to something more. Yeah, I can and, see and that messing fine. with your head though, almost like. What? Part of me would just want to say, okay, just like do what's ever reasonable and within budget. Yeah. But then I could just imagine like, wait, this is like someone I loved. We, we should upgrade a little. Like, I don't know. It, yeah, it would $20, be $20,000. Not 20000 yeah. but I could see it being yeah, you difficult. You pay up for them a little bit. You're <laughs> not going to put 100 bucks and put them in you know, a box. Well, oh, because yeah. then you would feel bad. But yeah. then at the same time, in the back of your head, you're like, this thing's going in the ground. Yeah. And like. Yeah. to never be seen again right. like i i could just see that it's difficult to kind of make that decision yeah i mean the whole process is difficult it's a very difficult process that you don't necessarily think about but you know I'm luckily not, there's professionals out there uh, yeah <laughs> and i'm glad that we can get one on the show and and, and talk to us uh yeah and give us this insight <laughs> i know i have the hardest time talking about finances with families just because you know and i mean there's value in everything there are 
there are certain things that, you know, you just have to pay for. Like the use of our funeral home costs money. The staff need to be paid. We have expenses. Like there's, you know, we have to make money. But there are some things like I would never be like, oh, you should buy a $20,000 casket to show your loved one how much you loved them. And it's just like, you know, that was more than my car. I can't, I wouldn't be able to tell them like, this is something you should do. I can't imagine ever buying a casket that expensive and I sell them for totally. a living. Yeah, no, I, I doubt you're there like, you know, upselling, you know, people no. like a used car salesman. But like you said, like it's, it is still a business at the end of the day and you know, there's, there's yeah. obviously expenses. And I mean, we work, we work hard and it can be a thankless job and it's, it's a big job. We have a lot of responsibility. You know, I, I'm sure every time a funeral home messes up, it makes the news and it's crazy. And you only hear about it when it's like they cremated the wrong body. And it's like, oh, my God, like those are nightmares for like, I can't imagine. There are times where I wake up at night because I forgot to print an envelope. I can't imagine making a mistake like that. That's like, I, that's nuts. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, you didn't think I guess you don't think about that either because you are still literally saying, OK, here is the body of this person. Like you're going to be responsible for this now yeah. for a little while. And I mean, hey, people lose things all the time. It's like someone handing you a baby and be like, I'm going to the store. I'll be right back. And I you're know. like, I, this is a lot right <laughs> now. It's a crazy responsibility. Wow. It's, um, it, it is a lot. And then, I mean, it's so rewarding too. It's totally worth it. it. At the end of every day, I'm like, this is amazing. I can't believe that I was a part of this today. But uh, I mean, it's, it has its moments where I'm like, why am I doing this today? <laughs> Yeah. No, I could imagine, but no, that's, I mean, that, that's great that you find it rewarding. It seems like, you know, there, there's a sense of humor where it's necessary. Obviously you're, you know, super professional as well. So it's, it's really eye opening. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything we didn't touch on? Cause I know we were kind of just rapid fire asking questions while freaking out <laughs> about, <laughs> about our eminent deaths, uh, <laughs> at the same time. But is there anything that, you want to say about, you know, what you do, the industry, anything? Uh, I think I got like most of my points across. I was just, yeah, it's just kind of a matter of recognizing that we're just normal people too. That's kind of like the biggest thing. I, it, it really bugs me when I meet people and they have this preconceived notion that I'm already just a crazy person. And then we talk and they're like, Oh, you're, you're actually just so normal. You're like me. And I'm like, yeah, what did you think? Like, I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around how people have that because it's like, it's just a, at the end of the day, I know that it's not the same as every other job, but it's, it's still a job and I have responsibilities at work and then I have a home life too. And it's like, we're pretty good. Most funeral directors, I think if you ever meet another one <laughs> or if you ever talk to somebody, you'll find that they're very, they're very good at being who they are, but they're also very good at dealing with the needs of what's in front of them. Mm. And, uh, and I just wanted to say that. Well said. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, sharing this with us because I think people are definitely going to be interested and kind of like almost taken back by, you know, this process that we kind of take for granted in a way that we don't really think about. So we appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. No problem. You have a good day. I have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. I, c- I couldn't do it. No, but as, sh- as shocking as a lot of that is. I actually, I hope it's comforting to some people listening that, yeah, you know, I mean, like we're going to have to go through this eventually, you know, with loved yeah, ones as well. And, yeah. or some version of this, obviously it's different based on religion, culture, things like that. But, you know, for, 
for this example, it's, uh, you know, it, it is nice to know, like, this is just a normal person. This is someone who just takes their job very seriously. They're, you know, they're professional and it's, it's comforting. In a I way. think the, the reason why I think there's that like preconceived notion of these people are like creepy fucking like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's because the only time you really hear about it is like the fucking Adams family. Like, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's what people imagine. Like anyone who works in a funeral home is like, their house is haunted and shit and it's like no yeah yeah. these are people showing up for work you know what i mean um but i i couldn't personally i couldn't yeah i've seen too many horror movies where i would just not you're waiting for that body to to move move. yeah Yeah, (laughs) i don't want to ask that question because that's waiting for it to like you're putting like you know lipstick on yeah and like, like moves I'd be hearing things. And yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be kind of freaking out. I'm I'm not I'm not made for that. I don't, you know, I think it takes a certain kind of person to be like I'm not made for to be a doctor either. You know what I mean? Like Never. you have to open a body and like fix shit. Like that's crazy to me to even think about. Like to even think about like who's the first person who did this? Like there's just a lot of stuff and or to have to deliver that news that like, you know, you have something wrong with you or like, you know, for hers where it's like you know, I know you're grieving and everything, but like, what do you guys want to do? Yeah, you, you know, got to make a decision. You don't want to sound like an asshole. You have so to I, spend money at the end of the day. It's, yeah, that you know? that balance is tough. Any any job yeah. like that where, you, like, it's still it's still a business that you have to keep running. Yeah. But at the same time, you're dealing with so many emotions from right. people, just raw emotion. And you kind of have to hold it together as a professional, and you know, that's a really tough thing to do, man really tough like i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do it like i'm just not built that way yeah no and it, it reminds me of the the 911 caller in a way too just one of those kind of eye-opening you know professions that are out there you never You're really like, think i know about it exists it. but I, i'm not gonna think about it yeah yeah it's tough man that's it's crazy and yeah i mean it i don't know i'm just i mean as you could tell there i i just like freak out thinking about death sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i i was like what if I just want to skip and bomb it? Like what? I'm, I like started planning my own funeral. I was cutting costs for a second, yeah, why are you but then costs? I'm buying a twenty thousand dollar casket. Yeah, what, are you doing? what are you doing? I'm gonna be the unembalmed guy in a twenty thousand dollar casket. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's like you know, it's so funny. You're gonna that's that's the guy who's driving a like a shitty car but wearing like a Gucci. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also. I think you you have to have a sense of humor around these things. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's probably just a defense mechanism right now. But. No, I I do that constantly. Obviously, I do it all the time. <laughs> it was so funny because I made that joke in the beginning of the show, and there was no laughter. I was like, oh my god. But oh, Undertaker sounds cool. Silence, silence just complete yeah. silence. But she explained why yeah, no, she didn't I, laugh. I, I to- and I totally very get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, but. This is very interesting. It's one of those episodes where it's kind of like I don't really have any more questions. You you informed me, and I. I now can share that information with people now. Yeah, it's now just I know about it. I'm a little of it. corner of life, a little profession that we just got to shed some light on. We we peeked behind the curtains a little bit. Yep. Now we know. Yeah. And now you just you got to go on and live your life. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you can do until it's over, and then they take care of the rest. Uh yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, you guys can uh, follow me on Twitter at Joe Sanagato, and uh, if you want to send us something that you think fits for the show, your story, or whatever, uh, you can head to oplshow.com/contact, and we will go through your email. And if it fits, we'll reach out, schedule something up. You can follow me at Greg Dybeck. Follow the show at OPL Show. 
can chat with us there. As Joe said in the beginning, we have the Patreon page. It's uh, patreon.com slash OPL show. Uh, for just a dollar, you can get a bunch of stuff. There's uh, there's bonus episodes up there that you can listen to right now. So go check that out. Uh, we thank you for any support of the show and leave a rating and review on iTunes. Sweet. That is all. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.